A lot of motorcycles on the road these days, you know, gas prices. And there are those who will tell you motorcycles are not practical because you can't ride in the rain. Eventually, you're going to have to learn because nature will ensure that you can't be a fair weather rider. The same thing applies to citizenship. Sometimes you have to ride through the storm. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network. And here to warm up the saddle is Dan Newman. Sometimes we just refuse to accept the truth, right? But you know what? Doesn't matter what we think about the truth. If it's truth, it's truth. And it lives in a house all by itself. Good morning, everybody. Boy, we have a day for you. And I mean, it is a killer show ahead for today. You don't want to miss a minute. I mean it. Not a minute. Buckle up. We're going to start it with um, kind of a peppy song talking about the change. You know, the spiritual change. Well, I got myself a t-shirt that says what I believe. I got letters on my bracelet to serve as my ID. I got the necklace and the keychain and almost everything a good Christian. Bye. 
That, my friends, is a heavy message in a great song. Stephen Curtis Chapman, what about the change? I remember when my dad, my dad was one of those guys, he loved to talk about fixing things. He was one of those guys that was so mechanical. He could fix anything and everything. But my dad got called into the ministry when I was about seven or eight years old. And then fixing things began to change. And he began to look at my older brother and I and talk to us about fixing things in our minds and our hearts. And I'll never forget when I would get into some kind of habit. It may have seemed benign to me, but my mom and dad, they thought, you know, you're headed down the wrong road, Dan. And that's hard to say about a kid that's eight or nine years old. But you know what? They taught me something that Marianne and I taught to our kids, girls and our boy, our son. You got to change things if there are things that are not working. You got to change them. It's stupid to keep doing the same stuff again and again and again. And so my dad would tell me, son, you've got to change this. And then a week or two later, he'd come back and he would say, son, you're still doing the same stuff. And I would say, dad, I'm trying to change. Well, you know what? If you don't change stuff, the same stuff keeps happening. And I've got a saying that I took from a friend of mine that pastors the biggest church in New Mexico. He made this one sentence statement one night, and it's, I mean, it went right to my heart. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You want something that's bad in your life to change? Well, whatever piece of that bad thing belongs to you and triggers whatever it is that's so bad. Whatever that is, if you want the whole picture to change, it's not going to change unless you change that little piece of what is going wrong. Do your part. Make a change. And if it's just you, there are no other people involved in it, but there's something you're doing or thinking you don't like, We'll change something about it, and then the whole thing can change, but it cannot change until whatever the thing or the things that make it bad are changed. And if you can change those, I mean, it's it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out, change the stinking thing and, and get better results. How about that? Well... In the show today, on the show today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I spend a lot of time this weekend digging in on all of the Biden family syndicate alleged wrongdoing out there. What has been proven, what has been shown, and is more than likely to be true, and what are the circumstances today regarding all of that stuff? Remember, We're not just talking about a former drug addict. We're not talking about just another politician. We're talking about the son of the most powerful political position this man holds, most powerful on the planet. That's President Joe Biden. These two together, Hunter Biden, his son, and Joe Biden, it is being proven every day. They have been doing horrible things to the American people for many years. 
not just since Joe Biden's been president, but at least back when he was vice president under Barack Obama. I know we've heard a lot of things. You heard the whistleblowers last week. You saw some of the committee hearings. Many of those things you saw and heard are the ones that I saw and heard, but we dug in. In fact, last night I happened to be watching Mark Levine on Life, Liberty, and Levine, his Sunday night show. Mark Levine, constitutional attorney, very matter-of-fact Jewish brother, he's out there and he never hesitates to speak the facts. And if there's something out there that he has previously maintained as factual, I promise you this, as soon as he finds out it isn't or wasn't factual when he said it, he's the first one to come out and say, hey, I messed up. Mark Levine last night, he got into all of the Biden stuff. I mean, every bit of it, objectively, like you would expect to see in a trial. And I'm going to break that apart with him for you in this show today. And it's going to blow your mind, some of the stuff that is factual. There are a lot of other things going on. In fact, there's a, a new big thing about the Biden family syndicate wrongdoing that came out overnight. We have that too today. We're going to get into all of that. But let's look at the weekend before we move forward. Sad to say this, but shootings this weekend in Chicago left at least six people dead, 20 others wounded. Think about that. In my state of Louisiana, that doesn't happen in a month over the whole state. Six people die and 20 others shot. A shooting early Saturday in the city's North Lawndale neighborhood killed one, wounded four other men, police say. Three people, including two women, were shot Saturday night on the south side of Chicago when gunfire rang out from an alley at a group of people. A man was found shot inside an overturned vehicle about 1.25 in the morning Sunday. He was later pronounced dead at a hospital. A 16-year-old boy was pronounced dead at a hospital after being shot Friday night, also on the city's south side. Since Friday, since Friday, Chicago police responded to at least nine separate shooting scenes. Forty people were shot, four fatally, across Chicago, over the July 14th weekend and this weekend. Think about that, folks. Think about that. This is one city, very heavy Democrat-controlled city, not just in politics, but in voters across the city and all of the adjacent uh, suburbs of Chicago. It's a very, very large, spread-out area. Lots of lawlessness And you have people in law enforcement at the top, and even Chicago, not just Chicago, but the whole state of Illinois, the governor signed a bill, no cash bail for the whole state, including Chicago, obviously. You do a crime, you get arrested, they'll let you out, you don't have to post bail, so you're right out back on the street and you can do whatever you were doing that put you in jail the first time. No accountability. None. Now let me ask you this. When you were a kid growing up, if you did something wrong and your mom or your dad, they got in your face and corrected you and held you accountable, you didn't just go run out and do the same thing again. 
because they were going to get all over you. And if you were, were from the same era I was from, that usually, if it was egregious enough, ended up in a spanking. And my mother was really good at making me go pull my own switch. And of course, the first couple of times I did that, I was very uh, smart. I would get a little bitty switch. And that made it worse because she'd got mad at me and she'd go get a bigger switch and tear me up. But you know what? It worked. I didn't do the same things over and over. I was held accountable. If you're a criminal, live somewhere in Illinois, even in Chicago, where it's almost illegal in every instance to own a firearm, Chicago has the most egregious top-down, heavy-handed personal ownership requirements of any big city in the nation. And yet, we just gave you the numbers. People are getting shot left and right. We never get an accounting of the source of the guns that are used in these incidents. They never tell us. Never tell us that. 40 people shot, okay? The guns that shot those 40 people, where did they come from? Whose were they? And how did that person have those guns? And were they supposed to have those guns? And did they have them legally or illegally? I thought it was odd at first that Chicago Police Department wouldn't release those numbers. But now we all understand why. They don't want us to know. You know why? Because most of the guns are not purchased legally, not owned legally by anybody other than, in most cases, criminals. That just blows up that no-bail situation the governor passed and going lenient on the penalties for gun crime. If you don't have laws, you don't have a country. We've heard that our whole life. But it, it goes one step further now. If you don't enforce the laws that are on the books, you have anarchy. And that's where we are today. Not that it's bad enough, but Forbes, Forbes magazine has come out and made an outlandish claim about mass shootings this year. Mass shootings. Now take a guess. How many do you think the news media are saying were mass shootings? 50? Nope. 100? Nope. 150? Nope. Not 200? Not 300? Over 400 mass shootings in 2023 so far. They labeled their report breaking news, but they based it on misleading data from the Gun Violence Archive. Forbes claims there have been 402 mass shootings in the U.S. thus far this year, suggesting there were seven such incidents that occurred over the weekend alone. On July 4th, 2023, it was pointed out that the outlet, Breitbart News, was relying on the misleading GVA data to claim at that time over 330 mass shootings for the year. They also noted GVA is a pro-gun control database which abandoned the long-standing definition of a mass shooting as four or more deaths in a single incident 
by a single gunman. That is the legal, federal, all the way down definition of mass shooting. Mass shooting is four or more deaths in a single incident by a single gunman. But GVA, they decided to change the definition. Didn't clarify to anybody, hey, we're changing the definition from this to this. They replaced it with a minimum of four victims shot, either injured or killed, not including any shooter who may also have been killed or injured in the incident. So instead of the long-standing definition being four or more deaths, they changed it up a little bit and took it on themselves to say a minimum of four victims shot, period. GVA's new definition allows drive-by shootings, targeted gang attacks, and other non-mass shootings to be counted as mass shootings. And obviously, that's going to inflate the number of reported incidents. That's why they did it. They're pro-gun control, GVA is. For example, in Forbes' July 23, 2023 story, they claim the most recent mass shootings as an incident in Houston bar where five people were injured and a shooting incident in Seattle in which four were injured during an illegal auto race. And there were no fatalities reported, but those were mass shootings. Legacy media, in the tank, mainstream media, lying through their teeth to ramp up the American people, to scare the American people. You would think if they wanted to scare us all, they would give us stuff that would scare us and make us want to spread out the ability for every American to get guns to protect themselves. Now, that's not what they want. They want us to be so fearful about gun crimes and gun violence that we will demand more top-down law enforcement. Get rid of all these guns. Take them. They're killing us needlessly across this nation. Mass shootings every weekend when they're not even mass shootings by their own definition of the words, the former definition, the real definition that law enforcement from top to bottom have always used to describe a real mass shooting. It's all about symbolism over substance. Facts don't matter. Substance doesn't matter. If it sounds good and it fits one particular narrative that they're firing after, well, it's worth it. We'll go ahead and lie. We'll go ahead and embellish. And we'll just change the definition of the term mass shooting and not even tell anybody we did it or what the new definition is. Well, it's not a new definition. The definition is the same as it was written when federal law enforcement put it all together in consultation with Congress and the White House at that time, and it's been used ever since. We're going to keep using that. Now, I told you at the top of the show when we got started, we've got some new things, some really big things going on in the world of the Biden family bribery allegations. And before we get into the nuts and bolts, over the weekend, several people, one was Caroline Levitt, who's a spokesperson for the MAGA Incorporated Public Action Committee, 
told Sirius XM that the $10 million bribery allegations levied against President Biden and his son Hunter amount to the greatest political scandal in American history. Levitt is the interim host of the Grace Curley Show. She discussed the bombshell allegations laid out in an FBI that 1023 form, which Senator Grassley of Iowa made public earlier this week, this past week. And you heard of it. You watched the committee hearings on Wednesday and Thursday. You saw it discussed as nauseam. The form alleged that then-Vice President Joe Biden got involved in a $5 million bribery scheme with him, with a barista executive, and then there was another $5 million that went to Hunter Biden. Now, these were not when Joe Biden was president, but the first part of it did happen when he was vice president. This 1023, Form 1023 document, refers to the big guy, date back to June 30th of 2020. And it alleges President Biden and Hunter each received $5 million from Mikola Zlochevsky, the founder of Burisma Holdings, after Joe threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine until President then-President Petro Poroshenko fired a prosecutor investigating Burisma. Levitt called it the most significant political scandal the U.S. has seen, dubbing it worse than Watergate. This is Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist stuff, but the mainstream media doesn't want to cover it. Our president is compromised by our enemies around the world and was involved in an international bribery screen. This is Levitt talking. She said he and his corrupt crackhead son accepted $10 million from a corrupt Ukrainian, Mr. Z, as I like to call him, the founder of Burisma, and that man is a corrupt and very bad man. But he was right about one thing, according to this 1023 document. It's that Hunter Biden is dumber than his own dog. These people don't respect Joe Biden. They were using him to funnel him cash and he sold out the integrity of the United States and our national security in this bribe. It's really unbelievable. We've known this to be true for many years now. But to really see it in writing and read this 1023 document is nevertheless shocking and disturbing, especially when you consider what Joe Biden and his corrupt Department of Justice are doing right now, pointing a finger at Donald Trump. It's especially shocking when you think about the fact that they impeached Trump for simply asking now President of Ukraine, Zelensky, about this corruption and trying to unveil the truth. They impeached Trump for wanting to get to the truth while they pushed falsehoods and lies that he was colluding with Ukraine. And the entire thing is really mind-boggling. But the good news These truths are being revealed to the American public thanks to Senator Grassley, thanks to John Old Trump for pushing forward, thanks to the brave whistleblowers who are coming forward to talk about the fact that our government has been complicit in these cover-ups and in this wrongdoing. Later in the conversation, Levitt agreed that Biden's Justice Department is being weaponized to muddy up Trump because of political problems surrounding the allegations of corruption and investigations by
by House Republicans. Levitt contended the latest indictment cover letter that the special counsel Jack Smith's team gave to Trump's camp was for one reason, one reason only, to distract from the 1023 form. She said something very important, and I wanted to get to this to tell you. She said, there are no coincidences in the swamp. None. Everything happens for a purpose, and when it happens, it's for a purpose. The first federal indictment from Jack Smith and Merrick Garland, Joe Biden's henchman, using the full department and the weight of the DOJ to target Donald Trump. That first indictment came hours after House Republicans revealed the damning evidence of the wire transfers, the money from the Ukrainian national into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's bank account. And now the second indictment, the target letter, was sent to President Trump on a Sunday night. Levitt said this, I worked in the Washington swamp for a few years. I can tell you bureaucrats don't work on Sundays. They clock out at 5 p.m. And then they rip the American people, taxpayers, off. But Jack Smith sent that letter on a Sunday night to get ahead of the release of that FBI 1023 document. It's all to muddy the water. And it's to give the mainstream propaganda press another narrative to talk about, which they capitalized on after the target letter was sent. CNN, MSNBC, the mainstream networks covered that nine times more than they covered the House GOP Oversight Committee's hearings this past week. Nine times more. In fact, ABC News, World News Tonight, that hackery show, didn't even cover the House Republican Oversight Committee's hearing. So they need another narrative to push against Donald Trump to cover up for Joe Biden's crimes. But again, and this is the important part, we the people are seeing through it. Levitt responded to claims from some of the allies of Governor Ron DeSantis who suggested that the DOJ is pursuing charges against Trump because the left wants him as the nominee instead of the Florida governor. She called those claims ludicrous. This keeps going, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And I told you at the top of the show, we've got some new breaking news. First of all, before we get to that, I want to say, finally, the GOP are doing a really good job, not only in finding and bringing all of this stuff to the forefront, where we the people can see it, but their timing in doing so is impeccable. It couldn't be being done at a better time when it comes out in a better way than the way it comes out. What's this new bombshell? That's next at TNN Live. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men. Before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell. A partner men can count. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. 
Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country, you need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again, Dan Newman. Before I forget about it, I got a call last night from a good friend, a politician who said, hey, former president is appearing at a private fundraiser Tuesday night down in the greater New Orleans area. Do you want to go? And I said, well, dadgummit, I would love to be there. I would love to get a few minutes with Mr. Trump if that's at all possible. Let me see what I can do. And so the call came back, and it's at a private person, a very big dignitary in the uh, New Orleans political scene. It's $3,300 to get in. And if you want to get a picture taken with the former president, it's only $23,500. So guess where I'm not going tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm not going to New Orleans. But you know, this just illustrates one thing about Donald Trump. And you put that, this kind of stuff, put it side by side by the president. Think about when he ran for the presidency. I'm talking about not his first three times. The last time when he ran in 2020, he never went anywhere. He didn't go to fundraisers. He didn't campaign. He stayed in the basement. And he's staying in the White House now. The only big campaign dollars that have come into his campaign are the ones that the Democrat National Committee has worked on and got put there. He's not out beating the bushes. Donald Trump, on the other hand, and the other Republican candidates, they're really doing hard work. I don't want to diminish anybody. But Donald Trump revels in being with the people. He loves it. We saw it when he was campaigning for the 2016 election, and then we saw him continue to do it when he was president. Joe Biden runs from people. He doesn't want to get in one-on-one conversations. He's afraid of what might be said or what he might not say that he should. And all of that he should be worried about because, I don't know, it looks to me almost every day I see something new from him or maybe something I hadn't seen before and it definitely confirms 
His cheese has slipped off his cracker. He's not all there. And I'm not being derogatory in any way. Facts. Facts flesh that out. And we, the American people, need to pay attention to it. So what's the bombshell? Okay, here we go. One of Hunter Biden's former business partners, who is also, and has been for a long time and still is, one of Hunter Biden's closest friends, is about to testify that Hunter called then-Vice President Joe Biden during meetings with clients. Now, Hunter Biden's calling Vice President Biden when Hunter was in meetings with clients. Devin Archer is his name. He's 48 years old. He was subpoenaed June the 12th by the House Oversight Committee, which is investigating Hunter's businesses, whether he and other members of the Biden family improperly traded on their connections with these foreign governments and dignitaries. Devin Archer has so far canceled his scheduled depositions three different times, but he still intends to speak to the committee, and they go on recess for the summer break in August. So it looks like Archer's going to have to testify maybe this week. On Sunday, the New York Post reported Archer is expected to tell the committee Joe spoke to Hunter's business associates, including those at Burisma. Now, this wasn't just a casual, maybe Hunter was in the, uh, the vice president's office and he was got a call from one of these people and he just put Joe on the speakerphone to say hello. This happened according to Devin Archer, at least 24 times full-blown conversations. Archer and another business associate, Tony Bobolinsky, they have both said Joe offered brief greetings and platitudes rather than concrete agreements to Hunter's business partners, but Archer's testimony, we are told, is going to further challenge the White House's insistence that Joe Biden never had any knowledge or any involvement in his wayward son's business affairs, said he never talked to any of Hunter's business associates. We're looking forward, very much forward, to hearing from Devin Archer about all the times he has witnessed Joe meeting with Hunter Biden's overseas business partners, especially when he was vice president, including on speakerphone. That's James Comer, a Republican from Kentucky who serves as the Oversight Committee Chairman. Biden, who was Vice President from 2009 to 2017, spoke to Hunter's partners on the Ukrainian energy firm Burisma in December of 2015. Hunter and Archer were in Dubai. Archer will reportedly testify to that and Hunter told fellow Burisma board members they could speak to his father on the phone. Hunter connected his dad with Mikola Zlochevsky, of all people, the Burisma's owner, and Vadim Pusarsky, a senior Burisma executive. And while they gathered around the phone, Hunter told Joe that the Ukrainian businessmen need our support. Archer is also expected to say that Joe only spoke vaguely during the brief call to greet two businessmen. Comer and the committee are interested in the communications. Why? 
Well, because at that time, Joe was serving as President Barack Obama's point man on Ukraine and U.S. efforts to discourage any corruption in Ukraine, which is exactly what these phone calls from Hunter and Devin Archer and these other businessmen were about, corruption in Ukraine. Burisma was being investigated at the time for corruption. In an email to Hunter and Archer in November of that year, 2015, one month before the speaker phone call, Pasharsky demanded that they use their influence to close down the criminal investigation against Burisma. That, my friends, is from the New York Post. Archer will also tell the committee about a dinner at a restaurant in the French capital where Hunter took out his phone, called his dad in a bid to impress potential investors. Archer is, we're told, going to say that Hunter would introduce his father to the people on speakerphone in about one in four calls. At other times, he would speak to his dad without telling him he was on speakerphone, leaving open the possibility that Joe did not know his son was trading off his access. Joe is known to speak to his son and his grandchildren regularly. Uh, Hunter Biden said in 2021 that they speak every night. A close associate of Archer told the New York Post he is testifying about his time working with Hunter because he believes it's his civic duty. Archer was centered, sentenced to one year and a day in prison back in February of 2022 for defrauding a Native American tribal entity and various investment advisory clients of tens of millions of dollars in connection with the issuance of $60 million in bonds. Archer's associate said he felt the fraud case was a way to quieten him. He has nothing to hide, no revenge to enact, nor anyone to protect other than his family, and he feels he's been handcuffed by the absurdly bogus fraud case into remaining silent. In a form where he has immunity, he can at least start to speak the truth. Now, you just add what's coming from Devin Archer onto what we heard last week from those two IRS whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, who both said Hunter Biden had been given preferential treatment by the DOJ. Hunter agreed to a plea deal for lying on his tax returns. That will go before a judge this week coming up to either be confirmed or not accepted by the judge. And it's totally up to the judge. It, by the way, is a federal judge, and it's a judge in Delaware. So we all hold our breath, hoping and praying that justice will indeed be done. I would say at this point, however, being a straight thinker, in my opinion, and again, this is my opinion, I think there's less than a 25% chance this judge is not going to accept that plea deal. And if that's the case, Hunter's pretty much getting off with almost everything. Wow. And think about this. Part of that plea deal is over charges of lying on a gun permit application. On that app, he said he did not use drugs, And we've got video galore of him butt-naked with prostitutes smoking crack. And he then later told everybody he was addicted to crack. 
That's a felony, my friends, lying on that federal gun application. That is a felony. During a hearing of the committee on Wednesday, firebrand Marjorie Taylor Greene, we call her MTG, raised eyebrows when she shared a couple of very explicit images of Hunter with prostitutes taken from his own laptop. Green warned parents watching at home before her time questioning IRS whistleblowers that discretion is advised, and the pictures were shocking. Should we be displaying this? Asked Democrat ranking member Jamie Raskin at one point. The images from Hunter's laptop hard drive were printed on poster board that Green held up at the hearing. Photos showed Hunter engaged in sex acts with prostitutes. Green claimed she was uncomfortable showing the photos to Congress, but insisted that the American people deserve to see them. Before we begin, I would like to let the committee and everyone watching at home know that parental discretion is advised. She showed the images in order to ask about Hunter Biden writing off taxes for costs that were related to the hookers and also to sex clubs. He wrote those off of his tax returns as business expenses. Hiring a hooker, flying a hooker from California to Washington, D.C., and then flying her back home after their, whatever you want to call it, encounter. Green also presented evidence that Hunter paid for tickets for the escort to come from L.A. to meet him in D.C., that was in 2018, if he was purchasing her a plane ticket for sex and traveling across state lines, do you believe that's a violation of law? Green asked the two IRS whistleblowers. She added that the West Coast assistant noted in Hunter Biden's tax filings was likely this person he allegedly flew out from L.A. for prostitution. That's not what paralegals do, Green said. More stuff. It just makes me wonder how much more is there. So at the top of the show today, I told you that Mark Levin, he broke this Biden family syndicate wrongdoing illegality. He broke it into parts. And quite honestly, I was taken aback. It was so literal, so simple, and so plain to understand. I captured it, and I said, our people need to hear this tomorrow in pieces. So here's what I'm going to do. I uh, I captured the whole part of the show, about 30 minutes. We're not going to listen to all of that, but I'm going to let you listen to it in pieces. And we're going to begin with this one segment. It's a couple of minutes long. It's about the details from maybe the 10,000-foot level of the Biden family syndicate investigation for bribery. The Biden crime family, including the dog at the top, is accused of bribery, extortion, wire fraud, tax evasion, money laundering through shell corporations, conspiracy to do it all. They've received tens of millions of dollars from foreign governments and front corporations. Where is all that money? Is there not a report in America can ask, where did your money go? Where is it? They're still hiding it. 
That's what's going on. Now, what is the source of this information that I just laid out for you? Hunter Biden's laptop, emails, text messages, government records, bank records, suspicious activity reports, SARS, which the Treasury Department wouldn't turn over to Congress. They had to go to the banks to get them. FBI whistleblowers, IRS whistleblowers, material witnesses like Tony Bobolinsky and other business partners. That's pretty good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. So nobody's making this up. And what has been the response of the Biden-controlled Department of Justice and FBI? Obstruction by the FBI and IRS. Interfering with their investigators. Preferential treatment. These are the accusations. Denial of search warrants. Slow-walking investigations. Tipping off Biden's Secret Service about searches. Preventing interviews of material witnesses. Blocking electronic search warrants to determine if Joe Biden really was sitting next to his son when his son was shaking down the communist Chinese official for $10 million. They got at least $5 million within two weeks. Who has the final say on all this? Attorney General Merrick Garland and his Department of Justice, his senior officials, all Obamaites, all radical leftists. Every one of these whistleblowers has claimed that they've been retaliated against. Every single one of them, in violation of federal law. They have a whistleblower statute. And yet no special counsel is appointed. Because Attorney General Garland is running an obstruction and cover-up operation. Which would be revealed if he appointed a special counsel. You appoint a special counsel, somebody from outside the government. And he has the right to go to any place in the country, any place in the world to hunt down leads, which is exactly what Garland does not want. Garland is a mob boss lawyer. That's what he is. And the person he's protecting is not only himself now, because he's part of it, is Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden is running for reelection. I like the way they say Trump's running for president so he can pardon himself. Joe Biden is running for reelection. So he doesn't get indicted because the official position of the Department of Justice is you can't indict a sitting president. Joe Biden knows that if he stops this immunity and this protection as president, he will be facing multiple serious, legitimate, substantive felonies. And so will his family members. At the same time, Garland appointed a special counsel to investigate, prosecute, and make no mistake, imprison for the rest of his life, Donald Trump. He's covering up for Joe Biden. So he's got two paths going. Destroy Trump, interfere with the election, try to prevent him or any Republican from winning the presidency, hurting all the Republicans running for re-election or election in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. That's the goal. They don't care. It's about one thing and one thing only. And they don't care who else is collateral damage. They want Donald Trump in jail. And if we didn't see the evidence of that at the end of his stint in the White House, we certainly are seeing it now. And I'm not going to get ahead of what Levin said. Part two of the Levin piece today is about who is prosecuting Donald Trump. Now, the guy that's doing it, let me just tell you this. He is a bad dude. And when I say bad dude, I mean illegal 
bad dude. And he was chosen because he is such a legal character. And there are mounds of evidence that you're going to hear about, about this guy, Jack Smith. Mark Levin, part two of this whole thing, coming up right after this. Sit tight. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at WeAreGolden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates, now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back. And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right. All that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. Monday, Monday in Shrevesville, Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. We call it Shrevesville. Um, I don't even know where that came from. I know it's a colloquial term because it really is Shreveport, and it is a port. It's the northernmost port on the Red River. Bet you didn't know that part of it. Anyway, today we are talking about a lot of things, the latest news coming out on the important fronts we talked about the crime, the criminality going nuts as we have always watched basically in the last six or seven years up in Chicago. 40 people shot, four, at least four dead over the weekend. And sadly, that's just that's just an, another weekend in Chi-Town. And it's sad to even think that's possible. But all of the stuff is boiling to the top and the stuff being the illegality, the wrongdoing, the plain evil and law-breaking that is happening on the part of this president, his son, and apparently others that have been uh, part of this whole Biden family syndicate operation, which is designed and has been functioning for some time as a way to launder money for influence, influence, When Joe Biden was a sitting vice president, this was happening then. After he left 
the Obama administration, and apparently it could still be going on now. So Attorney General Merrick Garland, he he appointed a special counsel to look into this stuff, to look into all this stuff, what stuff? The alleged Donald Trump stuff. And so nobody really knows a lot about who Jack Smith is, but Mark Levin does. So Garland chose Jack Smith for a reason. Jack Smith is not a real prosecutor. He's a hitman. He's America's barrier, who was Stalin's hitman. Garland chose Smith precisely because Smith is unethical, he's dishonest, he's treacherous. When he ran the public integrity section of the criminal division, it was Jack Smith who signed off on the IRS's unconstitutional attack on the Tea Party groups under Obama. He has wiretapped conversations between targets of his investigation, Representative Renzi has pointed out. So he has wired attorney-client conversations between attorneys and their client. Smith was brutally admonished by a federal judge in this case. All the so-called evidence was thrown out, and that judge said, I wish I could do a lot more to you than just kill the evidence, so-called evidence that you acquired. So he's constantly piercing attorney-client privilege, as he's done against President Trump with the help of an Obama lawyer who served as a judge. He used that same tactic against Virginia Governor Bob McDonald and used them with the grand jury. Took this information, as I'm sure he did with Trump, goes to the grand jury. He owns the grand jury. No witness has a right to a lawyer there. They spoon feed this stuff to the grand jury. Look what his own lawyer said. Look what he said to his own lawyer, all of which is supposed to be protected. So he violates the Fifth and Sixth Amendment routinely due process, and the right to an objective jury. And he has known Smith for massive leaks. Several Sundays ago, I showed you this thick, a package of leaks to CNN, to the New York Times, to the Washington Post. I limited it to those three. Over the past six months, there were 40 material leaks that had to come from the government because the information had to come from the government, and it was intending to help the government to create the whole atmosphere around these cases. So I showed you that material. It's available on the public record. McDonald, Renzi say exactly the same thing happened to them. Information was leaked. Here we have a piece in the Washington Times by Jeff Mordock. Mr. Smith's conviction against former Virginia Governor Robert McDonald, a Republican accused of accepting payments and gifts in violation of federal public corruption laws was overturned by the Supreme Court. Why? Because what he did to the bribery statute was outrageous. They said, wait a minute. Anything could be bribery under your interpretation, but he doesn't care. He's a hitman. The case against former Senator John Edwards of North Carolina, a Democrat presidential candidate, accused of illegally using campaign cash to conceal his mistress and love child, ended with a hung jury and a mistrial. The jury said, wait a minute. How is that an illegal campaign contribution? It wasn't. So first we have a Supreme Court that stopped Smith. Now we have a jury that stopped Smith. He also prosecuted Robert Menendez. Many of you remember the case, but you don't remember what happened in the case. He's a Democrat. He was accused of taking bribes. It 
collapsed. There was a mistrial. Why? Because, again, he took the bribery statute and read it so expansively that the jury said, wait a minute. That can't be bribery. And there's other cases to this effect involving the former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver, who died in prison. But when he loses cases, he brings them again, because this is what he knows. You pile up enough charges against an individual, you'll find a jury somewhere to at least convict them of one. one. This is diabolical, absolutely diabolical. He's an extremely dishonest individual. And while we're at it, Judge Cannon just ruled that the trial is going to begin in the documents case, not in December, as Mr. Smith wanted, but in May. May? Smack in the middle of the election. The whole purpose of what's going on here is to interfere with the election, to protect Biden from scrutiny, criminal investigation, to protect him, to get him reelected. That's what the Democrat Party wants. That's why they trashed Robert Kennedy Jr. That's what they want. And at the same time, on a second path, to destroy who they believe would be the nominee, or at least potentially, Donald Trump. They have the DA in Manhattan working on it, the DA in Atlanta working on it, the Attorney General in New York working on it. They had the two grand juries in Washington, D.C. They're looking at January 6th. Pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. All we need is one. Out of hundreds of charges, all we need is one. One to stick. So can you come up with a better reason for Merrick Garland to pick Jack Smith, of all people, to be the special counsel in this case, other than because he's got a reputation of going for the juggler, forget about the facts, forget about the truth, forget about what is part of his oath of office, because he took an oath when he became the special counsel. But even before that, when he took his oath accepting from the bar his license to be an attorney, and his past is full of examples, major profile, high-profile cases where everything he has done has been thrown out because he is taking illegal actions. Now, some will ask, why would the attorney general pick this guy? I'll tell you why. There's only one reason why he would do that. The White House, the Biden White House, they're looking for anybody, anybody, and it doesn't matter who they are. If they have the chutzpah and in their past, they have a record of going after somebody, a political foe, and throwing everything, all the mud they can find or manufacture to throw at someone, in this case, Donald Trump, then we want him on the gig. And please remember, this is going to go to trial. Where is it going to go to trial? Well, the first one, the one over Mar-a-Lago, is going to trial in Florida, thankfully, even though the judge down there, who is an appointee of Donald Trump, female judge, she's done a couple of things of late that you may have heard Mark Levine comment on, and before he's done today, he'll comment about some of her actions again. But it's almost like she's the new kid on the block and she's trying to impress everybody she can without doing something wrong. And she 
in a couple of instances, has walked up to that line already. She hadn't crossed the line, but she's getting dangerously close. Americans need to understand this whole situation that we're we're living in. We're all living in this thing. We're all involved in this thing right now. Now, there are millions of Americans out there that don't have any idea. Why is that? Because ABC, CBS, NBC, those three major news networks that cover far more than do the cable news networks combined, they haven't even covered this story at all. None of the FBI and IRS whistleblowers' testimony, none of those facts, and none of what you just heard, and you'll hear some more of as we move forward in the show today from what Mark Levin laid out there. Now, the reason I brought Levin into this today for you is it is important that you, conservatives, and even those that are listening in that we know are not conservatives but are 180 degrees away from that, you still need to hear the facts. And I meant to say at the top of the show before I started this, and I'll say it again, if you're out there, you disagree with any of this, feel free to call in in between these segments. We'll talk live on the air, and you can explain your position with some facts. If you don't have any facts to support your position, we don't want to hear from them. But in the meantime, we must understand life goes on. We have things happening in our world. We have things happening, other things happening in our White House, and we do have a presidential race underway. And I thought before we go back to Mark Levin, I would point this one thing out. In a very deeply concerning development for Joe Biden, a new poll came out over the weekend, and it shows that nearly half of U.S. voters, half, now that's a big number of voters, half of U.S. voters would embrace a third-party candidate if they're given the choice. Now that, my friends, is a big deal. With neither President Biden nor former President Trump knocking it out of the park on favorability, almost half of the country would consider somebody else if there's an option. No specific name for the candidate, no specific designation for the party, but it is a vivid indication that for many voters, the status quo is a no-go. Quinnipiac did this poll, and it showed some startling insights about the American public's mindset heading into election year. While Republicans were more likely to prioritize the economy over everything else, Democrats emphasized the state of democracy as their chief concern. Why is that? It's because all the top-shelf Democrats, whenever they're talking, they say they have one line that they repeat over and over and over. Donald Trump is destroying our democracy. Never, never do they give one example that proves that because there aren't any. In this poll, independents were more divided. 34% picked the economy. 30% selected the state of democracy as their number one concern. It also identified President Trump as a current front runner 
in the GOP primary with a 29-point lead over his number one rival, that would be Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Biden leads his chief opponent, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., 71 to 14% in the Democrat Party primary. In regard to the general election, it stated Biden leads Trump by 49 to 44 in a virtually unchanged scenario from where Biden stood last June. The poll revealed the average American's mistrust of Biden's ability to address a number of these different issues, ranging from the economy to foreign policy. Apparently, just 37 and 39% of Americans respectively approve of Biden's handling of those issues. This finding, that particular one, only 37% of Republicans, 39% of Democrats approve of Biden's handling of the economy, foreign policy, and everything in between. These findings confirm widespread disillusionment with the two parties at a time when both major candidates have recorded low favorability ratings. As of now, Biden stands to lose the most if a third-party candidate gets in the race. Professor Cornell West's campaign bows poorly for Biden's standing among black voters, a critical block that Biden will certainly need to hold on to the White House. Cornell West is currently polling 4%, could pose a major threat to the Democrat Party by slicing off a solid portion of the black vote. There's another party that's jumped in here, No Labels. That's a third-party organization marketing itself as a firmly central, centrist party. Is also expected to field a bipartisan slate of candidates for November next year, with one possibility being a joint ticket between former Republican Utah Governor John Huntsman and Democrat West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. If that happens which has attracted significant attention nationwide, would also be a significant blow to Biden's chance of re-election. Marianne Martini, the spokesperson for No Labels, said that Quinnipiac poll revealed an unprecedented opening for any third-party candidate next year. If Manchin gets in the race and West Cornell West stays in, Biden could be in serious trouble, losing black votes, and centrist, all at the same time. Some polling, however, suggests Biden's chances would actually benefit from a third-party candidate running. I don't understand how that would be, but polls or opinions, we can never forget that. Don't ever hang what you think on a poll because they're going to change, and they're going to change every day, every week, every month, all the way up until days after the election happens. Republicans can also still swing votes from the Democrats, pointing out high, how huge factions within the Democrat Party have become increasingly disillusioned with everything to do with Joe Biden. Democrats, they've got good reason to be afraid of the damage that third-party candidates can do to their electoral prospects heading into 24. For Republicans, it, the prospect offers a chance to split Biden's base and deal a major blow to a party that's abandoned common sense. <laughs> and I think nobody, <laughs> nobody 
can credibly say that is not a reality. So I wanted to just give you that latest on the polling, especially when it looks like there will be, at least on the Democrat side, at least one third-party candidate. Now, will that be Robert F. Kennedy? Will it be Cornell West or somebody else? We don't know. But I think the Biden folks are scared poopless. I'm pretty sure they're not stupid. Democrats are not stupid. And they always seem to pull together better than do those on the other side of the aisle, the GOP. What are their options? And every day, every day the calendar turns. They're getting closer and closer to the point of no return where Joe Biden is probably going to be the only opportunity they have to even finish credibly in the 2024 race. We're not that far away from it. Let's see, we have August, September, October, November. That's four. We're 16 months away from the 2024 election. And that's going to be here before we know it. Well, somebody else is watching this very closely. And of course, that's former President Donald Trump and Jack Smith is all over him, like they would say in South Louisiana. Jack Smith is on Donald Trump like a duck on a June bug, going for everything, everything that he can get. So what kind of charges, charges from Jack Smith, the special counsel, are in line for Donald Trump? Tell me, when it comes to January 6th, why did Mr. Smith give a target letter to President Trump's lawyers on a Sunday night? Because he's a sick SOB, that's why. He's a hitman. And why were the contents of that letter, which were known only by the government and President Trump's two or three lawyers, leaked to Rolling Stone within 48 hours? Because that's what Mr. Smith does. January 6th is not a criminal issue as applies to President Trump. It's not a criminal matter as applies to President Trump. Congress decides which electors to count or if to count them at all. If two slates of electors are sent from a state, they're allowed to do that. Why? Because Congress sorts it out. When they all meet, you have Democrats who jump up and down in every legitimate election in 2004 trying to stop George W. Bush from being president because they didn't want to count electors. You have them in 2016 jumping up and down trying not to count electors for President Trump. Jamie Raskin leading the charge, by the way. He's a complete fraud. Complete, complete joke. And they've done it before. It was done in Hawaii, sent two electors, two sets of electors. Parties are allowed to do this because they cannot be 100% sure in some very close races of the outcome. Or maybe they think the outcome was fraudulent. Congress has a right to look into these things. Not a grand jury, not a rogue prosecutor, not a Democrat party-controlled executive branch looking for ways to destroy their opponent and destroy the Republican Party. Now we have an attorney general of Michigan who's indicted a dozen or so of these so-called counter-electors for daring to be counter-electors. What is that? It's also not a crime to ask supporters to peacefully lobby Congress about the election results. It's also not a crime to ask a secretary of state in Georgia to find votes. It's also not a crime to urge state legislators to help your campaign. It's not a crime to follow your lawyer's legitimate advice. 
It's not a crime to exercise your free speech rights and ask people to peacefully assemble. It's not a crime to ask the Vice President of the United States to follow your interpretation of the Constitution, whether people like it or not. And this is the one individual, Trump, who offered 10,000 armed Army reservists to protect the Capitol building. It was the Democrats and McConnell who turned it down. And in the morning of January 20th, he left office. Period. There was never any insurrection. That is a complete lie. It's always been a lie. There is no insurrection involved in what happened on January 6th. But you know what we've learned through the last few years? Facts don't really matter to anybody that's on the Democrat side, whether it is a lawyer that is prosecuting somebody for alleged wrongdoing or whether it's someone purely in a political campaign and they're trying to score brownie points with those prospective voters out there. In this case, let me just say this. I learn every day just how much Democrats in leadership across this nation despise the American people and not just mega MAGA folks. They despise their own people. They think nobody has the intelligence that they have and certainly nobody has the understanding and the wherewithal to live their lives without these Democrats inserting themselves in every American's life and every American's business and home and pulls the decision trigger on everything rather than so-called Democrats that are loyal to their party. Give me another reason. Give me a suggestion. What else would there be? Think about that. Think about that. Last night on Levin, he had one of the most intelligent, honest, sincere, up-and-coming members of the United States House of Representatives on his show with him. I'm talking about from Florida, Byron Donalds, who's now in his second term as serving the people in his district from Florida. Byron Donalds has become a firebrand in the House. He's part of the Oversight Committee. He was part of those hearings that happened last week, Wednesday and Thursday, when they were talking to those whistleblowers. And then the next day they were looking into the alleged weaponization by the Department of Justice against the American people, both of them very critical matters, and both of them are real atrocities that are being purveyed on the American people even today while we're listening to this show. Here's Byron Donalds, Representative Byron Donalds, African-American man. He's just a plain good guy, and he tells the truth. What we can determine is that the Biden spent all this money. You know, if you look at the testimony from Mr. Ziegler, who was the point person on the investigation, who started the investigation into Hunter Biden, one of his comments in his testimony to the Oversight Committee was that when they started looking into his bank records, they could see that he was living lavishly off of his corporate accounts. 
And I asked Mr. Ziegler and Mr. Shapley, if somebody's living lavishly off their corporate accounts and deducting all of this from their tax returns, is that signs of tax evasion to prompt an investigation? They both answered yes. And so that's what started this, this whole investigation back in 2018. And to your broader point, what is pretty clear now is that Hunter Biden was the facilitator for Jim Biden and Joe Biden. He was the one that was pulling all this money in. Everybody in the Biden family is either getting direct payments or their living expenses and their luxuriation is being covered by Hunter Biden or by one of these companies. And then the last piece of this is, is that the FBI knew about this. They, they were getting information from their confidential human source. IRS, the International uh, Tax Fraud Department, where Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler work, they were investigating this. And somewhere in Maine Justice, they were slow walking these investigations, stonewalling these investigations, letting the statute of limitations run out on these investigations. And in my, in my mind, that is clearly obstruction of justice from the Department of Justice. Byron Donalds just hit the, the nail on the head with everything, every point that he just brought out there. Here's the thing that Americans just can't get their brains around. We've never seen anything like this happen before in United States history. There have been corruption and leaders in our nation in the past that have been corrupt. There's been bribery. There's been all kinds of wrongdoing going on. But in this particular case, it's as if Joe Biden, who's really the only one in this that matters, doesn't really care. All that matters is the end result. Now, let me throw a little maybe out there for you, a hypothesis, a possibility. This all began when Joe Biden was vice president. Who was president at the time? Barack Obama. Now, Barack Obama was the guy who cut the deal with Ukraine, and he actually sent, he named Joe Biden, his vice president, as the liaison with the nation of Ukraine. Think about that. Just that one thing. President Barack Obama. Now, Ukraine's not a big ally of ours. Yes, we get a lot of fertilizer for our crops. Much of the fertilizer we've gotten in the past, we've gotten from Ukraine. But beyond that, not so much a big deal over there. What is Ukraine best known for and has been for decades around the world? as being one of the most financially corrupt nations on the planet. And people across Europe, criminals across Europe, South America, Africa, even Canada and the United States, criminals have always foamed at the mouth to get financial opportunities to do business inside of Ukraine. Even if the business they're doing inside of Ukraine is just moving money around, which Ukraine has been famous for doing just that, to put layer after layer after layer of protection on money to try to disguise its sources, where it came from and what its purposes were when it showed up there. Why would Barack Obama 
Why would he get involved with Ukraine? Because he had to do it. He was the one that made the decision to send Joe Biden over there and gave Joe the authority to negotiate. I think everybody listening will understand this one thing. Barack Obama never gave Joe Biden permission to make arbitrary decisions about anything. Regarding that firing of Viktor Shokin, that Ukrainian prosecutor that was investigating Burisma, and this was the big thing that Joe was bragging about when he came back. Remember, we had, Barack Obama had promised a $1 billion loan guarantee for Ukraine, and on that infamous trip over there, Joe Biden met with the old, his, his, his name, last name started with a P. I can't remember. Porcheski or something like that, the former president before Volodymyr Zelensky. He was talking to that president. And why would Joe Biden bring this up? He told the president, Porchenko, hey, you know that $1 billion loan guarantee? We want you, the United States wants you to fire Victor Shokin, that prosecutor. He's evil. We want you to fire him. Porchenkos didn't want to fire him. And Joe bragged about it. He said, so I told him, hey, I'm leaving about six hours from now, and if you have not fired Victor Shokin before I leave, you're not going to get that loan guarantee, that billion dollars. And Joe bragged about it in front of the crowd. You've, we've played it here for you numerous times. You've seen it elsewhere. Son of a bee, he fired him. That, my friends, is the epitome of quid pro quo. Now, I'll circle back to where I started this segment, what I said. Do you really think all of the Joe Biden activity anywhere, let alone in Ukraine, would not be at the behest of the guy who he adored and he almost worshipped him. And he considers him to this day one of his best buddies, former President Barack Obama. Barack Obama, on the other hand, remember, he wouldn't support, he would not support Joe Biden until the very end of the 2020 campaign cycle. He wouldn't come out early on. He wouldn't endorse him early on. That shows a little more about how Barack Obama felt about Joe than him giving Joe the opportunity to, to uh, go out there and actually run a relationship between Ukraine and the United States. Joe was a messenger and nothing else. And I said all that to say this. Do you think, do you think down the road, we may find that some of the good things that came from that Ukrainian relationship with the United States that included a $1 billion loan guarantee, that there may have been some quid pro quo there that included the former president? I'm asking a question. I have no evidence but at this particular point, I'm considering all the possibilities for wrongdoing to happen in this whole debacle between Ukraine, the Biden family syndicate, the United States, and knowing that Barack 
was a heavy-handed leader. Nobody did anything in his administration without his full knowledge and approval. That means the 5 million plus 5 million that we now have evidence that shows went directly from Burisma to Joe and Hunter. If Barack didn't get any of that money, you can bet he knew all about it. And he agreed with it before it happened. Just saying. So what do you think the real purpose of this going after Donald Trump so aggressively is all about? What is the end result that the left are looking for? Our final segment with Mark Levin. Isn't it abundantly clear what's going on here that the Democrat Party is like a mob operation? No, I think it's totally clear. Look, let's let's put out one piece of facts. Mr. Ziegler and Mr. Shapley testified that they can track $17.3 million that Hunter Biden was getting from Romania, Ukraine, and China. That's just those. I asked the chairman in the middle of our hearing from those countries how much has oversight in our own investigation tracked. In the oversight committee with our investigation, we're well over $10 million from those countries that we've been able to track down. So you have two independent investigations, one at the IRS, one with uh, the, the, the oversight committee under House Republicans, both coming up with the same countries, the same companies, tens of millions of dollars. But all the Democrats want to do is talk about Donald Trump. All they want to do is ignore this story. And I think, Mark, the, the bigger thing is, is that in the press with the big media and a lot of the Democrats in committee, they weren't even talking about the elements of facts dealing with the corruption in the Biden family. They didn't even want to really talk to Robert Kennedy. They just wanted to smear him. But they don't want to deal with the reality that our agencies have been weaponized politically and they've been weaponized against the American people. They have been censoring and they have been covering up for Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Covering up for the Biden family syndicate. Who's been doing that? Democrats, the Democrat Party. I'm talking about the heavyweights in the House and the Senate. Listen, you've got to understand when it comes to the Democrat Party, those people that are in authority in the party, they're involved in everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. They know about it. If they're not ones that must sign off on whatever it is and approve it, they for sure know about it. And I think we're at a point now where the Oversight Committee of the House of Representatives, James Comer's committee, I think they need to subpoena some of the leaders in the Democrat Party and put them on the hot seat to find out where they were, at least in the knowledge of what was going on back then. And the first one I would put on the hot seat would be Nancy Pelosi, former House Speaker. Second would be Chuck Schumer, currently the, the majority leader in the Senate, formerly the minority leader in the Senate. All this happened while those two, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, were in control of Democrats in Congress on both sides. What you want to bet if they would, if they would, if the committee, oversight committee, 
would subpoena both because neither is going to come voluntarily. But if they subpoena both, neither one will agree to come. And it would take a D.C. judge telling them, you've got to go before they would do it. And of course, you and I both know, no D.C. judge, no federal judge in Washington, D.C. is going to do anything that upsets anybody in leadership in the Democrat Party. Wow. Well, we spent a good hour going over that stuff, which I thought was critical for everybody to hear. It was so chronological and so factual. It was almost like a list that Levine and then at the end of that, Byron Donalds talked about laying out the facts of the Biden family syndicate wrongdoing bribery that has now been proven. The stuff with Devin Archer, big close friend to Joe Biden, I'm sorry, Hunter Biden for many years, and the former, kind of like the uh, COO, operations manager, of all of this stuff going on with these foreign countries and Biden's various companies, talking about Hunter, Devin Archer is going to be testifying. I think if we don't find out before then, we'll surely then find out where this is headed. But no matter where it's headed, it can't be good for this president, Joe Biden. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the government of South Australia. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? DesMoinesHelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month, the one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. It's funny, I had a conversation with Mary Ann yesterday, as a matter of fact, about beans. I grew up in South Louisiana. We had beans of some sort 
peas, beans, and rice almost with every meal. My favorite was always pinto beans. I love pinto beans, and I love them cooked with down-home sausage mixed in with it. And I love to eat just a bowl of beans. I can make an entire meal off a bowl of uh, beans with down-home sausage and a big slice of purple onions. Ooh, that just sounds wonderful now. And I just thought about it. it made me think of it when Pete Moss said that uh, <laughs> use beans and kraut. <laughs> For me, I can't stand sauerkraut. Somebody who in the Biden administration has kind of been in the back room, maybe sent to the corner by the teacher, I don't know, but it doesn't mean he's not doing what he does. Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, he's kind of been quiet of late. Well, he came out over the weekend bragging about what's going on now on his watch about the stuff happening at the southern border. Mayorkas took a victory lap on Thursday late over the dropping number of illegal immigrants trying to sneak across the border, saying it's evidence that his carrot and stick approach is paying off. Now, what's he talking about? He said the administration has tamped down the numbers, and they did it by building pathways for unauthorized migrants to get to the United States threatening consequences for those who arrive outside of these pathways and increasing standards to discourage bogus asylum claims. Now, of course, he said all that stuff, but remember we're talking about Alejandro Mayorkas and what he says is very seldom truthful. According to him, he said, he has seen a 65% drop and border encounters, 65%. We are meeting people where they are, he said at the Aspen Security Forum. Although the pathways he has created face some legal questions, Mayorkas said they're the key to giving migrants some hope of reaching the U.S. and discouraging them from paying smugglers to bring them across the border illegally. Now, I could spend the rest of the show talking to you about how stupid it is for him to even say he was, because of something he did, that these illegals were not have to pay the smugglers because they're going to have to pay the smugglers one way or the other when they come across the border. The cartels own 100% on the rights to get across the southern border of the United States into the U.S. You're going to pay them one way or the other. Mayorka said it's tough to discourage a mom from sending a juvenile girl to the U.S. because it's dangerous for the child to walk to school in their neighborhood. Given this current system, now this is Mayorkas talking, the best alternative, siphon them away from the smugglers who can charge and do charge 10000 or more per person and who have been blamed for record numbers of migrant deaths over the past two years. Our hope is that our model of incentivizing people to apply for relief before they take that journey and delivering a consequence regime if they don't avail themselves of those pathways works and keeps a cap, if you will, on the number of people we encounter 
under very dangerous circumstances. Now, this carrot and stick approach of his, it's still in development. But the dynamic of illegal immigration has shifted dramatically over the past two months. Border Patrol, which nabs people who try to sneak into the U.S. between the official crossings, said its arrest along the border dropped from nearly 184,000 in April to fewer than 100,000 in June. Meanwhile, officers at the ports of entry along the border reported a rise in encounters from about 28,000 in April to 45,000 in June. Tens of thousands more are flying into airports inside the U.S. under what's called parole programs that Mr. Mayorkas created for Venezuelans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, Cubans, and Ukrainians. Now, the key part of that, this is a program that Mayorkas created, not Congress. Mayorkas, who is not a legislature, he has nothing to do with the legislative branch of the government, you know, the branch that crafted all the immigration laws. Mayorkas was appointed by a president, this president, who, by the way, when he was a senator for 150 years, seems like, he was part of those, that group that crafted and put these immigration laws in place that now his minion, Alejandro Mayorkas, is thumbing his nose at it, and Mayorkas on his own created parole programs, is what they're called, for Venezuelans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, Cubans, Ukrainians. Y'all don't come to the border through, you know, Mexico. Just fly into the United States. We'll meet you there, and we'll take care of you. Critics point to those migrants coming through the ports of entry or in the country with no legal visas. So what do they do at the southern border? Well, they come in there and, you know, they talk to immigration and immigration. They hear what they're doing there, and they every one of them come up with some, some uh, type of excuse so that they can, they can get in legally. You know, we, it was so bad back in our country, we just couldn't make it. And then they get a court date. They got to appear before an immigration judge. Well, you just heard 45,000 came through these official ports of interest in June alone, 45,000. Now, how many immigration judges are there along the southern border? There are quite a few. But the last time I heard when they started giving out court dates, they being Department of Homeland Security at the southern border, people looking for asylum, got to have your asylum hearing before a border judge, and you're getting a court date now that's six years from now. Six years. Six years to get a hearing before an asylum judge. So what happens to these people for the next six years? Mayorkas releases them into the nation. Nobody tracks them. Nobody knows where they are, but we know they're here. Mr. Mayorkas made his remarks at the Republican-controlled House was pondering impeachment proceedings against him. Homeland Security Committee released a report Wednesday accusing Mayorkas of dereliction of duty. 
The report cataloged at least a dozen laws or court orders that the secretary has flouted, as well as two dozen lies to Congress and more than 50 lies to the American people. Other Republicans point to ongoing dangers from the immigration crisis, including a record number of terrorism suspects encountered that were sneaking across the border and the detection of record flows of fentanyl. If this is what the Biden administration calls a plan that's working as intended, I'd hate to see what they think failure looks like. That's from Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. So remember, remember the numbers that Mayorkas is bragging about. On his watch, 65% drop in border encounters. Now, you want to hear some of the real numbers? The number of foreigners on the U.S. terrorist screening list who have tried to cross into the U.S. exploded ninefold since Joe Biden took office, an alarming increase that experts say puts national security at risk. So far this year, 140 people on the terror list have been apprehended between ports of entry. I thought they weren't coming through there anymore. And that 140 is already crushing last year's record number of just under 100. There were only three such crossings in the last year of Trump's presidency, 16 of those in Biden's first year. The rapid growth in crossings by illegals with terror ties is a warning sign that countries with bad intent may be trying to sneak terror cells into the U.S. You think? This unsecured border, it's not simply a threat from possible criminals and others in South America. There are people from a variety of countries, not just China, who I think are sinking in. It's it's 90-plus countries that they have come from. Mark Morgan, the former acting commissioner of Customs Border Protection Agency, said, we literally could have the next terrorist sleeper cell in the United States planning a terrorist attack right now, and we would have no idea. You remember the 9-11 terrorist? Let me tell you a true story. I have a close friend, a good friend that's been a friend a long time, was a high school teacher in northwest Louisiana, a coach, and he decided that he wanted to switch careers. So he, you know, he had the teacher's retirement plan that he had invested in. He went and he took his money out of that, decided that he wanted to be a pilot. And right now he's got two sons and both of them are pilots getting their pilot activity through joining the U.S. Air Force. But back to the dad's story. He went to a flight school in Florida, and, I mean, it was a commercial flight. He was going the whole way. He wanted to be a commercial airline pilot. And so he went there, and he was in the middle of that, and he decided that wasn't going to be good. He didn't think that it was going to work out for him at his age at that particular time. He felt like, and people there had told him, you'll probably be passed over when you apply for commercial pilot positions for the younger for the younger people that uh, you know started this much earlier than you did so he decided to come back he came back here 
and this was right before the 9-11 terrorist incident happened, if we can call it that. It was a horror. Twin Towers knocked down, 3,000 Americans killed, changed our nation forever. At least one of those pilots, those pilots, and most of them were from Egypt. Very few people know that. Everybody thought they were from Iraq. Most of those those terrorists that were part of the 9-11 attacks were Egyptians. One of those guys was in a class with my friend. And everybody in the class thought the guy was weird and really realized how weird he was when the tower, the first tower went down. And we found out the names of those terrorists that were flying. One of those one of those students in that flight school with him, they were talking about, they were working on takeoffs and landing of commercial airlines in simulators. And this guy wasn't doing too good on taking a jumbo jet down and landing it safely. And this guy said, you know what? This really doesn't matter. I'm not here to learn how to land a jet anyway. I don't care about that. Ding, 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 ding. Terrorists lived among us. Terrorists, I can guarantee you, are living among us today. So this this pattern, this pattern of immigration that Alejandro Mayorkas has tried to normalize here in the U.S., it's alarmed Congress. They began an investigation earlier this summer. Lawmakers said they're particularly concerned that there have been 1.5 million gotaways who have never been encountered illegally crossing the border under Joe Biden. That's not a small number. Let's just say 2% of them, 2% of that 1.5 million might be bad people intent on taking advantage and maybe even getting involved in slaughtering some Americans. What's 2% of 1.5 million? You tell me. That's a lot of people. These known gotaways do not provide biometric or biographic information to Border Patrol agents, and they continue their journey into the interior of our country with no background checks against law enforcement databases. This is coming from Rep's Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Mark Green, in a recent letter to Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, terrorists and other bad actors will attempt to exploit weaknesses in border security and the vetting procedures to infiltrate the U.S. We fear these known gotaways could also include illegal aliens with terrorist ties. Jordan, Comer, and Green chair three of the most powerful committees in Congress, Judiciary, Oversight, and Homeland Security. The lawmakers also cited a recent change in language by the Homeland Security Department, raising concerns that some illegal aliens with terror ties may not have been deported. This is even more angering to me. Public-facing information on a U.S. Customs and Border Protection website now states that terrorist screening data set watch-listed individuals encountered by Border Patrol 
after entering the country without inspection may be detained and removed to the extent possible under Border Patrol policy or turned over to another government agency for subsequent detention or law enforcement action as appropriate. It is unclear the extent to which actual legal impediments exist to prevent detention and removal of aliens with terrorist ties as opposed to impediments imposed by the Biden administration's misguided policies, they added. Concerns have been exacerbated by the recent revelation the Bidens released an illegal alien with known terrorism ties and it took two weeks to apprehend him. A Homeland Security Inspector General report found that after apprehending the illegal immigrant in Arizona in April of 2022, Border Patrol released them without providing information requested by the FBI's Terrorist Screening Center that would have confirmed the migrant was a positive match with their terrorist screening data set from their terrorist watch list. The Inspector General explained the illegal immigrant was released because Border Patrol's ineffective practices and processes for resolving inconclusive matches with the terrorist watch list led to multiple mistakes. Some of the Border Patrol mistakes included emailing to an incorrect email address to request an interview with the illegal immigrant, never sharing information it obtained for the FBI's terrorist watch list, and releasing the individual before fully coordinating with that committee. Let me just say this. Alejandro Mayorkas, he shouldn't even be in government. He certainly shouldn't be the head of one of the most powerful committees in government, the Homeland Security Committee, and one of the most important Anything to do with protecting our borders. He is the antithesis of that. He wants open borders, and he plainly tells people he wants open borders. I'm not a prophet, and I, I don't say I know everything, but I, if I was, I guarantee you, I would be able to say this, and it wouldn't bother me at all. We are in for something that is going to be desperately horrible for the American people. I don't know who, I don't know where, and I don't know what. But if we think that somebody in our government can allow a million and 500,000 people called gotaways, those are the ones that we know that got in. We just couldn't catch them. One and a half million of them are scattered across our nation. Only God knows where they are, what they're doing, and who they are. If we are so stupid to believe there are not dozens of terrorists that number among those one and a half million, why would they try to get in under not knowing, not coming, and nobody knowing where they are. Why would we think 
that they would be okay, would be legitimate, might be good people. They purposely came and did so knowingly breaking federal immigration law because they didn't want to get caught. And if they didn't want to get caught, the obvious question is, well, why wouldn't they want to get caught? What are their plans? What are their plans? We may never know. Speaking of some things we may never know, this quietly came out over the weekend. Cases of myocarditis soared among U.S. service members back in 2021. That was after the COVID-19 vaccines were rolled out. Now, this is coming from the Pentagon, a top Pentagon official. There were 275 cases of myocarditis in 2021. That's a 151% spike from the annual average from 2016 to 2020, according to Gilbert Cisneros Jr. Cisneros Jr. is the Undersecretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness. He confirmed data revealed by a whistleblower earlier this year. The COVID vaccines can cause myocarditis, and if you don't know what that is, it's an unusual enlargement of the heart. It can be very deadly. It can kill people. It's a form of heart inflammation that can lead to mortality, including sudden death. COVID-19 itself can cause myocarditis. The diagnosis data comes from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. Cisneros provided the rate of cases per 100,000 person per year, a way to measure risk across a certain period of time. In 2021, the rate, 69.8 among those with prior infection. That's compared to 21.7 among members who had been vaccinated. This suggests that it was more likely to be COVID-19 infection and not COVID-19 vaccination that was the cause. No figures were given for members who had been vaccinated but were also infected. The total rate, 20.6, also indicates that some members weren't included in the subgroup analysis. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, a Republican, who's been investigating problems with the database, questioned how the military came up with these numbers. It's unclear whether or how it accounted for service members who had a prior COVID infection and received a COVID vaccination. DOD officials didn't respond to a request for more comment about this. Johnson asked for that information no later than August 2nd. So let's just go back a bit. Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the foremost experts on anything and everything to do with COVID-19, he was on our show in the very early stages of the vaccination and the adverse reactions when that came out. He's president of the McCullough Foundation. He looked at this newly disclosed data. The large increase in myocarditis cases in our military in 2021 was most likely due to ill-advised COVID-19 vaccination. And yet, we just keep on jabbing them, and we keep on treating them, and we don't have any idea conclusively what's going on. That's a wrap on Monday, folks. I want you to have a great day. Have a great day. Share today's 
podcast with your friends. Everybody needs to hear it.